Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, this morning, once again, we come to you, Lord. Our Father, the author and the finisher of our faith, the shepherd of our souls, we come to you, Lord. As we go to the ministry of the word, we pray you would continue to teach us, continue to impart your life, Lord, which is in your word. That we grow in our most holy faith, O Lord. For without faith it is impossible to please you. So help us, Lord. Help us. Help us, Lord. We want to please you, Lord. That's our, should be our true intention, O Lord. So help us, Lord. Help us. Even this morning. Commit all your children. Everywhere into thy hands, Lord, wherever they are, speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we are now with the fifth church. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. This is Christ already introduced in chapter 1, who walks among the lampstands, that is the churches, who holds the seven stars in his hand, that are the pastors, making a personal examination of each church, and therefore, each believer. And sending out the report. <coughs> and the report says, I know your works. Okay. Ephesus had lost their first love. Smyrna was under attack persecution. And the word was to stay faithful until death. Pergamum was seduced unto compromise. Thyatira was too tolerant. And Sardis had a reputation. But the reality was they were dead. So the picture here is when the world looks at us and compliments us, the Lord often looks at us differently. Okay. One of the most severe, clear indictments of this sort is found in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For God does not see as a man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay. In Sardis, the world looked at the outward appearance. God looked at the heart and said, you are dead. You are dead. So applying it into a congregation. Okay, a corpse may look very good, but it's still dead. Okay. Symptoms of being spiritually dead. Okay, remember the introduction. He who holds the seven spirits of God. That is a Christianity without any more the need of the Holy Spirit or a believer 
This is with religion versus reality. That's why the seven spirits are mentioned. Induction talks about it. Because so many churches, and I pray not ours, have become social organizations involved in social work. But the church is led by the Holy Spirit. So is the individual. It's a group of individuals. Romans 8 and verse 14 says, it's a group of individuals that is led. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Okay, so these sons come together and they become a vibrant church. Okay, so the church is led by the Holy Spirit. And here, when the Holy Spirit is missing, the world doesn't know. Jesus said they will not know the Holy Spirit. Made it very clear. The world will know. He said it in John 14. He says, I will, the Holy Spirit will come and you will know him, but the world will not know him. <clears throat> so the world looks and they don't see a church which does not have the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit is gone silent or left. Okay, and that's the first sign. That's why the seventh. So the church where the Holy Spirit is not Lord. So remember, they have a reputation of being alive. That means probably they have a lot of works. In Ephesians 2.10, the Bible talks about the difference of works and works. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are not asked to do our good works. But we are asked to do the works prepared for us beforehand. And the thing is that only the Holy Spirit can lead us into those works. But the first step of moving into that is Hebrews chapter 4, 9 and 10. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So the first thing is not to work, is to stop working. Stop working. That's where the command in the new covenant, the first command is wait. It says not go. It is not go, it is to wait. The whole set of people went without waiting. And what were they supposed to wait for? They were supposed to wait for the Holy Spirit. Because when he comes, first you receive power. To do his, because his work cannot be done without his power. Because if his work can be done without his power, please understand that it is not his work. It is our work. And that will not be accepted. So here is a church that seems to have a reputation of being alive, but God's, God's indictment of them is that they have, they are dead. So the first if you look at symptoms of how does a believer, a believer, because this way believers, a group of believers, how does a believer reach what you call in medical terms, rigor mortis? How do you reach rigor mortis? A Latin term, right? Dr. Richard is so much used to rigor mortis because that's where he works. It's not the mortuary, but the emergency room. <laughs> so the first thing is the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit, spiritual rigor mortis. Okay. Second thing, please understand, important. A dead church or a corpse has no struggles. <laughs> a true believer and a true church is always characterized, uh, characterized by struggles. Not of sin, but of faith. 
spiritual growth is always characterized by struggles. That's why James 1-2 and Romans 5-2-5 My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Because this is the testing of our faith. And faith is not static. Because faith, walking by faith is actually mean to be led by the Holy Spirit. As soon as Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God drew him into the wilderness to be tested. Okay, so we need to understand that a church or an individual who has no struggles is dead. Romans 5, verse 2 onwards, okay. Though through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this, oh, which, which translation? Okay, it's fine. I mean, it's a new translation. I never sought introduction with 5.2. By faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in the hope of the glory of God, not only this, we also exult or rejoice in our tribulations. Okay? No, see, if we only look at two, we feel very comfortable, peace for the past, grace for today, hope of glory for tomorrow. Then God says, you know what? You are exulting in the hope of tomorrow, but remember, not only that, what about today? Today you also exult in our tribulations, because knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our heart. Okay, You need to realize, tribulation tests two things. One, it tests our faith. Second, it tests our love. These are the two most important things that has to be tested in a believer's life. Can your faith stand every test? Can your love for God and for man stand every test? Until that, so we are on, if we are on that road, until we reach there, we don't realize, we reach the maturity which God is talking about. These two areas, actually only these two areas, if you look at one is your faith life, the other is your love life. God expects that maturity. So you will look at there. This is the issue with Sardis. If you look closely at the other churches and then Sardis, if you realize they seems to have no persecution, no, no false teachers, no trials within or without. Because a heresy has to be there to prove True doctrine. Okay. Heresy has to be there to prove true doctrine. Because if heresy is not there, you wouldn't know what true doctrine is. So always God will allow these things to happen. So this is a church which is absolutely complacent. No trials, no testings, no heresy, no false teacher. And if you look at it, this seems to be, therefore seems to be very prosperous. Very prosperous. Okay. In short, the devil didn't trouble them at all because they didn't trouble the devil at all. <laughs> that is the easiest way to die spiritually. Okay? Like we remember, no? We talk about the frog you put into water. If you put him in a bowl of water and put him on sim, he will sit there and he will simply die. He simply die. That is how sad is slowly died. Okay, Sardis is basically what we call very inoffensive Christianity, absolute political correctness. Therefore, the church enjoyed peace. The kind of the kind of peace you enjoy while walking through a cemetery. 
there is nothing there who will stand up and say stop. Okay. The true church or a true believer is always, if not often, under attack. Either persecution or on doctrine. Okay. Or the enemy himself. Or the enemy himself. Okay. It can come through persecution. It can come through false doctrine where you're all, and the church divides and divides over doctrine. Divisions take place. Or the devil himself comes after you. Okay. In Luke 6 and verse 26, this is what Jesus said. Woe unto you. He said, when all men speak well of you. So, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. So everybody seems to be speaking well about Sardis. They have a reputation. Okay. In 2 Timothy 3, 5, Paul puts a cross because we are looking at that first tip because there's no commendation there, remember. Having a form of godliness that is outward, but denying its power. Okay. A church in which there is no constant conflict about doctrine. No, not fighting, but no, the mental, this thing. It's actually mentally dead. Hmm? The church which is not under attack, okay, produces no opposition, is actually lifeless. Okay, remember what Jesus said, the kingdom of God advances with violence, and the violent take it by force. Okay, this is true about a believer too. This is what we use the term nominal Christianity. Nominal Christianity. Please remember, Jesus never addresses the problem. Okay, he does not just diagnose the problem, but also gives the remedy. Okay, he also gives the remedy. So if you go to chapter 3 and verse 2, and 2 and 3, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Okay? So he gives a fivefold remedy. Okay? <coughs> First he says, be watchful, or be awake, be alert, be watchful. Second he says, strengthen. Okay? Strengthen. Third he says, remember. Remember, okay, remembering is a whole thing. That same thing had to happens to church in Ephesus also. Everything is going well with Ephesus, but he says, you don't remember the height from which you have fallen. You have lost your passion because you're looking at all the other things, but you are not seeing what, what has actually happened to you. So he says, be watchful or awake, strengthen, remember. Then he says, hold fast. Okay, hold fast. And the fifth one, is, of course, repent, the common word used to five churches. If you look over there, the first warning, that is, be watchful, is repeated again in verse 3. Be watchful. Okay. Therefore, if you will not watch, what will I do? I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You will be caught unawares. Now, I don't think he's talking about just talking about the second coming, but he's also talking about death. Okay, so he's talking about, first thing is that, watch. Verse 2 says, watch. 
ओके तो फर्स्ट बी वॉचफुल और वेक अप इफ यू लुक इन टू द न्यू कॉमेंट आई डोंट थिंक देर इज नो अदर कमांडमेंट दैट अपियर्स मोर रेगुलरली दैन दैट वर्ड वॉच इन द न्यू कॉमेंट ओवर एंड ओवर एंड ओवर ओके दैट वॉचफुलनेस शुड बी द कॉन्स्टेंट एटीट्यूड ऑफ द क्रिस्टियन लिटरेचर इट इज सेड eternal vigilance is the price of liberty okay and scripture we will put it across this way that eternal watchfulness is the price of salvation okay jesus himself said when men slept that is when the enemy came adam and mankind's fall was because he was not watchful in mark chapter 13 Jesus after giving a list of things that will happen with increasing order before he comes back in verse 23 he says but take heed be careful be watchful why i have told you all things beforehand so people should not be caught by surprise by anything that happens because he says i have told you all things everything beforehand so we shouldn't be caught by surprise In verse thirty-three of the same chapter, this is what he says: "Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is." He says something about this, and that's what he says: "You do not know when the time is." So, Old Testament, New Testament will talk about time, number your days, because nobody is sure about two things: one, the day you will die; the day you will die. You can make prognosis, medical prognosis. Yesterday, I was watching on on a this thing about aging and uh, bones they said after a particular age if you fall and break your hip bone you can be sure that you will die within a year the statistics says that you will not recover so they talk about how you have to be very 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 careful and the person in the video uses indians because they're picking up pictures from the railway stations where indians are so used to squatting and squatting is the one thing to see that your joints are always when we moved from the indian toilet to the western all of our problems started came because we are known because the natural position if you look at children can sit and squat and play for hours together they have no issues so they always say check out can you squat and get up can you squat and get up because you live long it's a medical prognosis Hello, love. Okay, so simple things. Now that is the prognosis, but the reality is, when you will die, the one who does squats every day also can drop dead. And God says your time is up. Okay, time. But the medical prognosis are there. Okay, you can be healthy within our limits which God has given us. But we need to realize here, God says, take heed. watch and pray for you do not know when the time is and when you read from verse 20, 34 onwards to 37 it is like a man going to a far country who left his house gave authority to his servants and to each his work and he commanded the doorkeeper to watch okay watch therefore for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning you can put that as jesus coming back or you meeting jesus either way okay when you don't know what time of the day you will you will fall asleep you will die lest coming suddenly what does he find you he finds you sleeping 
And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Say to all, watch. So the first instruction that we'll just look at a watch today. If you go to Matthew 26 and verse 38 and then 40 and 41. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. Why should we watch and pray? Lest you enter into temptation. Okay, temptation is like floating in the air. It's constant. But this is what you have to watch for. We have to watch for that we do not enter into temptation. Jesus had said, Lord, lead me, lead us not. But how do we? One thing is praying, lead us not. Other thing is our responsibility is watching and praying that for, so what should we be, be watching against, watching against, not falling for temptation. Okay. Third thing in first Peter chapter five, four, seven or five, eight, five, eight. Yeah. Okay. Five, eight. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be watchful. Vigilant here means even one more higher level of watchfulness. Be vigilant. Why? Because we have a math, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. So in Ephesians 6 verse 10 and 11, when it comes to this enemy, this is what the Bible says. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy, of the devil. Two things we are asked to do. One, be strong in God. Don't be strong in the flesh because cursed is the man who, who relies on his flesh. You're cursed, automatically cursed. Curses you relies on the law. Curses you relies on the flesh. You're automatically cursed. So don't go that route. Every day be sure that you are strong in the Lord and in the power of the might. Okay, and then see that you are coward. Put on the full whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil because we have an enemy. Be watchful because you have an enemy. He's called a lion and what is he seeking? He is seeking whom he may devour. In First Timothy chapter 4, 16, okay, Take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you may save yourself and those who hear. He says, be watchful about two things. Okay, one is that, your doctrine and your life. Remember, they gathered daily for the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. The doctrine had to be practiced in living. And if you did not practice in living, the doctrine itself cannot save you. It's a life that saves you. Doctrine doesn't save you. The doctrine that is practiced in living is what saves you from your troubles. So God says, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. If you continue in them, you will both serve your, save yourself and you will save those who hear you. Okay, so God is over and over talking about how to be watchful. What are the things we need to be watchful about? Okay, in Luke 21, 36, he says, about the last days and those times, he says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. 
why should we be counted worthy then only we will understand that the purpose of a trial or tribulation you will remember paul went around preaching that with much tribulation we must enter the kingdom of god the purpose of trial and tribulation is to purify the person his faith and his love these two things these two things are not the same okay they are not you may love somebody you may not have much faith in him or her you may have absolute faith in somebody and may not love that person very you may be a very unloving person but you can trust him because he is absolutely disciplined and he will do what has been told and god is talking about two fundamental faith is basically trust he says you have to grow in your trust in god and grow in your love for god and man okay in these two things god says i will put you through trials and tribulations so that you will know and you should be ultimately found worthy therefore to escape all these things because now there is no point because god is not inflicting trials upon us for the fun of it once the purpose is over it immediately the trial is finished trial is finished that's the difference between the trial that comes because of sin the answer is repentance and a trial that comes because god is purifying us and as soon as we have reached the standard what god expects us from the trial the trial is over because we have reached that level whatever god is expecting in faith and in love these are the two fundamental things first corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13 watch stand fast in faith okay so watch how much can we stand because what is being shaken and tested is our actually our faith in god faith in god and those 40 or less chapters in the book of job his faith in god is being tested but he holds firm till the end and god finally comes and says he did not speak anything against me with his words he's right every crisis we are not so that's why i said he will ultimately will stand there and says even if you slay me i will still serve you no i know my redeemer lives in the everything is contra indicated contrary to that faith but he still standing my faith but that is what is faith because if you can see it then it is not faith when you cannot see it and yet still sit there absolutely confident in this person jesus that is called faith so the bible says watch and stand fast in faith be brave be strong in colossians 42 paul will say about being watchful in prayer continue earnestly in prayer being vigilant in it with thanksgiving vigilant in prayer one is thanksgiving the other is be vigilant in prayer watchful in prayer sometimes much of prayer is a waste of time because we are all over the place we are not focused we are not praying for what is actually things that really matter in the kingdom of god what really matters because we need to understand what is coming is the kingdom okay when we say thy kingdom come thy will be done but our prayer life is not connected with that so god says you know what be very vigilant in how you pray okay so please remember these are all connected with watch if you go to revelation 16 and verse 15 behold i am coming as a thief blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame it's talking about a constant life of repentance 
confession, seeking the Lord, and there is this covering. So that when you come, like I said, you don't know when I will come. It may be a night, early morning, afternoon. Whatever time I come, be watchful. Be watchful. And blessed is he who, what I said, blessing pronounced over he who watches. If you go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14. 5.14 Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. So there is a prognosis, diagnosis of Sardis, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And what is the diagnosis? What is the solution? Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead. Because somebody who is sleeping is almost like somebody who is dead. There is not much difference unless you wake him up. The one who is sleeping and the one who dead, you put them together side by side, except for a little movement, they both look the same. They are unconscious of what is happening. So arise from the dead and Christ will give you a life. If you go to Jonah chapter 1 verse 5 and 6. Okay. Jonah, not Jonah. Jonah 1, 5 and 6. Then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God. Remember, there's a storm blowing and everything is like going topsy-turvy. They're throwing their stuff out and everything. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea. This is the final stage of when you know you are really repenting. You're close. You're ready to face your maker is that you throw all your cargo out. Okay, all the things you held on to for all your life, you're willing to get rid of for you are after Lord have mercy. Okay, the cargo to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and he was fast asleep if you remember. I hope you remember illustrations. Pastor Vijay, when he preached a few weeks back, when he talked about his experience in the ship, he says the most expensive cabins are at the bottom because there is no movement there so you don't feel seasick you don't feel so much of movement okay so you know what where did jonah go he went to the bottom so there's a storm blowing in the ship and he's very comfortably asleep comfortably asleep and death is so close okay death is so close so this is what the world will do to you. No? We, we run after the things of the world and it gives us this false sense of security. Okay, We go down into the bottom. Now we are in a storm is blowing all around and you are fast asleep. Just talking about a spiritual asleep. Well, most of the church doesn't have any clue what's actually happening around the world. And they don't know their word. They don't know the prophetic lifeline. They don't know the signs. And they're so coolly going on as if Everything is normal. Everything is normal. Okay, so that's what God is talking about. Awake, you sleeper. So what did they come? What do you mean, sleeper? Arise. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Okay, so what are they telling? Arise, arise, arise. Okay, so God is talking about We need to understand, this is how God has planned out our lives. 
If you don't understand, that's why if you don't understand scripture and understand the ways of God and the intention of God in a believer's life, it's not comfort. It is not comfort. It is to be to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Okay. You see, if if you if you see the old covenant where you look in the book of Leviticus and you say, "Be holy as I'm holy," and a whole list of laws before and after is given. In the new covenant, it, nothing is given. It just says, "Be holy as I'm holy," meaning it is not laws; it is life, and I will determine your life. That will make you holy. I will ordain all the tests and the trials and the tribulations you're going to through each one custom made that will make you holy. No laws are given. The laws cannot make you holy. Only a life can make you holy. And the life is determined by God. Decided by God. And unless we understand God's ways and God's intention, we will not, life will not make sense to a believer. He'll be just caught just like in the world. And this is what God is talking about, about awakening. It's a story told about, you know, if you watch Western movies, which too I was hooked. Okay. There is a stagecoach, uh, going in Montana, bitter winter. That's old habit still comes out when I used to teach literature. You know? Whenever an illustration comes, I always come back from outside the pulpit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So the stagecoach is going, it's bitter cold, it is snowing, and there's a woman with a little baby in the stagecoach, okay? And she's slowly, the, the cold, it's so cold, she's slowly losing consciousness. So the stagecoach driver sees, there's no other passenger sees. So what he does is that he stops, stops the stagecoach. And he takes the baby, wraps it up very nicely, warmly, and keeps it under his seat. Then she, he pulls this woman, drags her out, leaves on the road, and starts a stagecoach. And then this woman rises up, and she sees her baby going. She starts running after the stagecoach, screaming. And he allows her to run for some time, and until he's sure she's warm enough, he slows down and gets her in. That's how he saves her life. Saves her life. Okay, so you need to realize this is how God does. Okay, when we get very, very, very cold and complacent, something terrible, tragic happens, and we wake up and everybody starts crying out to the Lord, have mercy. <laughs> okay. Okay. And this picture is there with every, even if you're a very good man or a woman, you see the picture. Okay. There is Joseph with his multicolored coat and a crown of two dreams. And he's going happily. Things he has arrived. The next thing you see is the coat is gone. He's lying in a well. And if you look, he's the best of the lot. Why? Because you're on a journey and you're not ready for what I have promised you. You are not ready. And after that is trial after trial after trial. Things are not getting better. Things are getting worse. Why? Because what is God's intention? What is God's intention? Okay, His intention is that we are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So you need to understand whenever we, if we start getting complacent in this spiritual journey, God will shake the boat. Because progress is inevitable. It is demanded by God. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, meaning in terms of love. 
Okay. So if you look at David, here is he revealed to Israel as champion, killed Goliath. And his life is should be almost like on cruise control. Everything is going well for him. Remember in 18, 1 Samuel chapter 18, 3. 18, 3. Jonathan, the crown prince, loved him as his own soul. That is as far as a human love can go. He loved him as himself. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the fulfillment of commandment 2 in David's life. The crown prince loves the shepherd boy like himself. Verse 16. All Israel and Judah loved David. Verse 20. And Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David. On top of it, verse 12. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had depended. The anointing rested. You look at a young man of that age. The anointing is upon him. The crown prince loves him. Whole nation loves him. The king's daughter loves him. Everything is going so well for him, he's ready for destruction. So the king hates him. The king hates him. What the king wants is to kill him. Now he's on the run. Now he's on the run. Because if the king does not hate him, David will never become the man after God's own heart. Okay, now that is what is going to define his life. That's what we need to understand. This is how it works. What has happened to Sardis? Sardis, you have a reputation (laughs) that you are alive. But the fact is that you are dead. If you go to Ezekiel 16 and verse 49, no, we know that. Okay. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Who is being compared to Sodom? How did Israel become Sodom's sister? Israel is not Sodom's sister, but God says, in in nature you have both become the same. Why? One, you have become proud. You become proud. This is what happens to people when they especially have no, no, no trouble. And they have actually, fullness of bread actually means a lot of money. All these people for whom money comes in very easily and they can make money and you know they have knowledge and they have money. It's a very dangerous combination. Okay, Derek Prince uh, talks this about it. He says one of the things, though, though I teach the word of God, he says, I don't want to be a teacher. Because if I'm a teacher, all I'm giving is giving knowledge and knowledge makes people proud. I don't want to be part of that. I want to be a dispenser of life. We need to understand. We can understand. That's why whenever Jesus teaches, the difference is there is Jesus teaching and the power of God was there to heal all persons. So he's not a teacher. He's dispensing deliverance and life and healing. He's a dispenser of life. So pride comes with knowledge. He was made perfect in wisdom. With that came in. Suddenly pride came in. So you have pride, you have fullness of bread, abundance of idleness, and not interested in helping anybody. That is Sardis. That is Sardis. They have a reputation. Sardis has reached that point. Okay? So the question is ease. Ease. They are at ease. No struggles. Nothing at all. 
So individually, church-wise, we have to be very, very careful about it because the one command consistently repeated in the new covenant is watch, watch, watch. Be watchful, be watchful, be watchful, be watchful. Okay? The word watch, okay, in English has multiple meanings according when you connect it with the Bible. The first meaning of watch is to give up sleep. Demands that you give up sleep. Okay? Watch and pray, meaning pray without sleeping. Pray without sleeping. Okay? Because we are all used to sleeping. When God says watch and pray, Bible is saying one of the things which you have to do is that don't sleep. Learn to put a handle on your sleep. And if you look at John, I was asleep. And they woke him up and says, wake up and pray. You cannot sleep and pray. You have to be awake and pray. So watch demands wakefulness. Remember, if you're on guard duty, watch duty during war time, you will be executed if you fall asleep. Because when you are put on guard duty, others' lives are in your hands. If you go to the history of Sardis, because Sardis is there big. I think Sardis is mentioned only once in the New Covenant. Before this, I think Lydia was from Sardis. Originally from Sardis. But in Greek history, Sardis is very important. If you know about the richest king in the Greek history called Croesus, he was from Sardis. Aesop, if I am right, was from Sardis and was executed. Aesop's fables. So Sardis was very famous in, in Greek culture. If you knock about Midas touched everything he touched, he wanted to be gold. And that, where he washed his hands off, the river flowed into Sardis. So this is part of Greek myths. So Sardis is very rich. Wisdom, everything, and they have become very complacent. Very, very complacent. And that's what God is talking about. Church can get very, very complacent. Okay, very, very complacent. And he says, you know what? First, we have to be very careful. Watch means be careful that you don't sleep your life away. You need to be awake. Second thing, watch means playing, paying close attention. Close attention. Attention to what is happening around us. What is happening around us? Okay, what is happening around us? So many things are happening all in the political realm. We have never seen a kind of upheaval that is happening like it is happening that nobody is sure which it's, it's almost like a tug of war, but both sides are holding on with and nobody, nothing seems to be moving. Yet so much things seems to be happening at the whole at the same time. God says, be careful. Pay attention to what is happening around you. Okay, second, that's why I had the indictment on the Pharisees. He says, you know the weather and everything, but you do not see the sign of the times. The signs are very clear, okay? Be very, very watchful of the enemy and his attacks. Second Corinthians 4.11. Oh, the wiles of the enemy? Okay, First Corinthians, sorry, First Corinthians 4.11. No, no. What is there? Right there. Okay. We are not, uh, we are not ignorant of his devices. Okay. Lest Satan, 2.11, sorry, 2.11. Lest Satan take advantage of us. How does Satan take advantage of us? 
because we are ignorant. We are ignorant. Yeah, that's how we take advantage. Okay, okay. Our protection against the wiles or the devices of the devil is our knowledge of God, the knowledge of His Word, the knowledge of His ways. It's our knowledge. It's our protection. He says, "Be very watchful. Be watchful, the devil. Be watchful for others." Genesis forty-six. For, yeah, 40 and verse 6. Yeah, Genesis 40 and verse 6. Joseph came in to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. Okay. So that they were sad. That is the turning point of his life. He was watchful. We are very watchful about ourselves, but we are not watchful about others. Okay, watchful, because that is maybe where exactly your door that is needed for God to move you lies. We are not watchful. We are not watchful at all. And God says, be watchful about what is happening around you. Be watchful in your prayer that you just don't be vigilant. Just be all around the place. Be focused. Be very focused. You need to know what is the need. What is the need of the hour? Be very watchful in your prayer. Be very watchful. Understand the various devices of the enemy. Fourth one, be very watchful about the need of others. You can need of others. Do not be so caught up in your cloister. So caught up that you are not able to handle the breakthrough that you are looking for and waiting for and fasting for and praying for is actually there right before your eyes and you are not able to see it. If he had not been watchful and had not seen that one, they were sad, one, he would not have known the gift which God had given him works. The dreams still matter. And he's got a gift. He's going to exercise his gift for the first time. Because he'll interpret a dream. Two, it is this person, one of those two, who will remind the Pharaoh about this incident, which will be his. And all because he was watchful. Watchful, he did not think about his future. He's watchful about the needs of somebody else. And that's his open door. And God says, Lord of people, Miss God-given opportunities for their rising, for their exaltation, because they are not watchful. They are so caught in themselves, so caught up in the mirror, that they are not. God is not able to raise them up. And that's what God is saying. Be watchful. Be watchful for the move of God. If you come to John chapter 5 and you read from verse 2 onwards to verse 6. Now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethsheda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude and sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. What are they waiting for? Just for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then who are stepped in first? That is the problem. First, only one person gets it. After the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So they had to be very, very watchful. Very, very watchful. And a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. 38 years. And Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? 
And then Hannah answered, well, and it's meaning, he said, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and watching and watching and watching. This is the key. Okay. So why did he get healed? Because he, he didn't live. He was waiting. He was waiting. Okay. That's what God is talking about. Are you waiting and watching for the move of God? Because it happened only once a year. And there was a man sitting there for 38 years. Waiting and watching for the move of God. And then above all, watchful for the coming of the Lord. Ultimately, it is all connected to the most important thing. Watchful. Okay, so watch in its first meaning means we are willing to give up sleep. Because you have to watch and pray and watch and do other things. Second thing is to pray Pay very close, detailed attention to things that are happening. Okay? Third is to God, to be vigilant. We saw that be vigilant. We saw in First Peter 4, 7. No? Be vigilant. Why? Why should be vigilant? End of all things is at hand. Everything that we see, which people are running after, is going to end. It's going to end. Therefore, be serious, sober, serious, and be watchful in your prayers. To be very vigilant, to protect, okay? You need to understand, there's a difference between waiting and watching. There are a lot of Christians who are waiting, but they're not watching. And there are a lot who are watching, but they're not waiting. The Bible demands that we do both, okay? Watching and waiting. If you go learn, turn with me to Luke 15 and verse 20. 15 and verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. Why did the father saw him? Because one, he was waiting. He's been gone a long time. But the father was still waiting. But the father was not only waiting, he was also watching. Day after day after day after day. And when he was a long far off, he was not only waiting, he was also watching. Okay, so these illustrations are given to us. Are we waiting? What are you waiting for? Question, even as you're waiting, are you watching? Okay, are you watching? Okay, and we know the incident in Lazarus' house. Martha was waiting on Jesus. Mary was both waiting and watching. And that was the difference. She was waiting on Jesus, but she was not watching. Mary was both waiting and watching. Okay, why watch? Why is it so important that we should watch? Turn with me to First Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 onwards. 5, 1 onwards. Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. If you look at this com- this comparison to the day of the Lord, how many times God uses this term, it will come unexpectedly like the thief in the Nobody will be able to expect it unless you are watching. Okay, unexpectedly. Sardis was not watching. So God says, I will come to you unexpectedly, like the thief in the night. Okay, and what does he say in verse 3? For when they say, this is not God, 
the deceiver and his system says peace and safety sudden destruction come see these are the two things everybody wants in life you want peace peace is a result of all your circumstances that are against you are in your control you have peace and then you want protection safety this is what they will offer this is what man looks for and often so many people see average man is looking for peace and safety once that has been achieved and he has time and money in his hands then he goes for after pleasure that is that is what happened to sodom okay peace and safety but you need to realize the devil offers you a false peace and a false safety false peace and a false safety the peace that god offers you is ultimately primarily internal the peace of god will guard your heart and your mind in christ jesus and it doesn't matter in what situation you are when you are in that situation by god in the eye of the storm you are still safe this is something which only god offers not but they the world system the devil offers you a false peace and a false safety which is primarily by compromise compromise god says no that is not peace that is not peace that is neither safety because what will happen you do not realize the devil is not the problem for you i am the problem he is not the problem because the devil is not going to come to you like a thief in the night i am going to come devil is not the one who is not going to decide your eternity i am the one who is going to decide your eternity therefore don't buy into this sales stock of the devil because he will sell mankind two things peace and safety don't buy into it your peace should be that kind of peace which you find it in in the book of philippians when a man is lying in prison in chains and he has absolute peace and he know he is safe that he cannot be destroyed before his time therefore he is safe okay and he says when they say peace and safety then sudden destruction comes upon them has labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape verse but you brethren this is the condition are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief you are all sons of light sons of the day we are not of the night nor of darkness and then verse 6 therefore let us not sleep as others do let us watch and be sober so he makes a difference over he says you know what you are children of light you are children of light that is the key and john will give us how you can be children of light and be walking in the light and you will realize it is entirely connected with the relationship relationship he says that is how because you need to realize that's what i said the key to everything is the spirit of god nobody can warn you nobody can prepare you only the holy spirit can prepare you if the holy spirit has to prepare you god the holy spirit's priorities are completely different from ours he says walk in the light have fellowship with my me and have fellowship with one another that's the key walk in fellowship so that you are not caught so in second timothy chapter 4 and verse 5 paul's final final instruction to remember his last letter you be watchful in all things okay and in your afflictions that's part of the process you cannot grow without affliction it's not possible okay you have to endure you not you cannot skirt you cannot avoid you cannot bind them 
bind affliction, loosen, loosen something else in your life. You have to endure it because this is the only way you will know whether your faith is true, whether your love is true. There is no other way. It is true. Okay. So, you, so God is telling us through so many of His servants one thing. He says, "Watch, watch, watch." Let's go to the final lesson for today. Okay. Because Jesus teaches us a very powerful object lesson in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Gospel according to Mark and chapter 14, which is the longest chapter in the Gospel according to Mark, in verse 32, 14-32 and then 33, Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. You have to listen. That's what I said. You have to listen very carefully what Jesus is saying and doing. Okay? Judas is gone. Okay, Judas is gone. Now he tells eight disciples to sit here. Eight of them, he says, sit here. He doesn't tell anything. He says, sit here while I pray. Sit here while I pray. Then he took Peter, James and John, the three, a little further ahead. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Understand what is happening. Jesus does not show his trouble and distress to all disciples. And you shouldn't either. Because everybody doesn't have the capacity to handle it. These three have. These have been the closest to him. These people, three have had experiences with him, but the others do not have. Okay, because we make the mistake of sharing your trials and your troubles with everybody. But even Jesus did not. He put eight others and he said, sit here. Then he took three ahead and started being troubled and distressed. If you go towards uh, 14, yeah, we... Um, um, Mark, Mark 10... 38 and 39. This is who James and John, two of the three. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and with the baptism I am baptized with you and will be baptized. What are they actually saying? They are saying, we will walk with you the whole way. These two. We will go through what you go through. If you go now go back to Mark 14 and verse 28 and 31. 28 and 31. After I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Then he spoke more vehemently. Who is this Peter? If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. So you will see of these 12, 11... Three of them had very, very clearly made this determination. Okay? These three are kept aside. These three are kept aside. Jesus takes them a little forward. And then you go back to 14 and read from 33, 34 to 35. 36, okay? He took Peter, James and John with him and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. Remember, he didn't tell the other eight that. He didn't tell the other eight that. She only told three of them. 
To the other eight, he said, sit. To this three, he said, stay and watch. Stay and watch. Okay, stay and watch. And what did he do? He went even more a little. So there are actually three groups there. Jesus at the front. Then there is three. And then there is eight. Okay, so there is eight. He went a little further, fell on the ground and prayed that if it is where possible, the hour might pass away. Okay. He said, okay, go further down, yes. Yeah. He said, Abba, Father. This is something which you need to understand. His darkest moment is not Calvary. His darkest moment is Gethsemane. If you don't overcome in Gethsemane, you will lose in Calvary. His darkest moment in Gethsemane. And even in his darkest moment, first understand this, he addresses God as Daddy. Okay, that's what is important. He said, Abba, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Okay, all things are possible. And you will notice that he prays the same prayer three times. So it is not wrong to pray the same prayers many times. If you know it is the will of God. Once you know the will of God, then you don't have to pray contrary to the will of God. But once you know what is the will of God, you can pray any number of times until that comes to pass. So even here you will see he is very watchful in his prayers. He is not asking randomly so many things. He is saying, Lord, I have one thing. You can do all things. If there is another way for man's salvation, can you do that without me having to be separated from you? And verse 37 says, He came and found them sleeping. He came and found them sleeping. Three times he comes and three times he finds them sleeping. And then he says, couldn't you even watch for one hour? Could you watch for one hour? Okay. Now he's not saying, couldn't you pray for one hour? First, he says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Lest you, you look, if you look, I mean, don't rush through it. If you look there, he says, watch and pray, lest you enter into Temptation. Hmm? Go back to verse 34. Okay. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. Stay here and watch. There's something that is happening here. Okay. Please remember, these were the three people who are on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were willing to watch his glorification, but they are not able to watch his agony. He's teaching a lesson here. Whenever there is glory, we will stay awake and watch. But whenever there is agony, we fall asleep. The same three people had been awake on the Mount of Transfiguration some days back. Whenever there is something for us, gain here, glory for us, prosperity for us, gain, 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 we are able to be watchful. Now what is it telling them is stay here and watch how I handle agony. He is not actually asking them to pray for him. He says watch how I handle situations in life. This is your final lesson. The final lesson I am giving to you is how do you handle agony? 
If you read parallel passages, it says, see, your soul was even vexed unto death. He was so troubled. And he says, how do I handle, watch, learn this? Because you will all go through this one day. And the reason people do not come through is because they haven't watched Jesus. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. Have you seen how he handled the situations? You haven't watched. So he's telling them, watch. But three times when he comes, three times they are sleeping. And look at what he says, I think in uh, verse 38. Hmm? Watch and pray. Otherwise, what will happen? Your spirit is willing. Your spirit is willing. But your flesh is weak. Watch and pray. Okay? Watch and pray. I'm teaching you. Over all these years you have been with me, I'm teaching you the final lesson. It's not that your spirit is not willing. Every man's spirit is willing. But the problem is your flesh is not willing. And therefore, you haven't learned how to handle your flesh. When the time of agony comes, you go the way of flesh. You just sleep. You do not watch. You quit. You give it. You run. You go back to fishing. All these things you go back from. You are not able to endure. That's his final lesson. Okay. So the question is this. Why is he able to endure the cross? Because he was watchful in his prayers. If you look at verse 41 and 42. Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It's enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayed. This is the man who was overcome in his prayer closet. He asked something. He received an answer. The answer was no. But he's ready now for the no. To receive the no. He says, Rise, let's go. Time has come. Because he prevailed in his prayer closet prevailed in his prayer closet. So there's no fear, nothing at all. So this is what is his victory. His ultimate lesson to them is that watch how I handle situations. How I handle the most difficult period in my life. How do I handle it? Watch, he said, sit and watch. And people don't watch. People don't watch. Okay. This is what is actually talked about in Hebrews 5.7. In the days of his flesh. But the peak is reached over there. The peak, the days of his flesh when he had offered prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. Meaning, he is pouring his guts out and they are not able to remain awake. They fall asleep. This is not a silent prayer. This is not a quiet prayer. This is a very loud prayer with cries and tears and they still fall asleep. They still fall asleep. Hebrews 12 and verse 4, if I have right, talks about this one. Okay, Yeah, Hebrews 12 and verse 4, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed because the Bible says he started shedding blood, popping, right? Blood is his sweating blood, striving against sin. What is sin? Sin is a step away from faith, the will of God. The will of God is you go die. And he's asking the Father, take this cup away. The Father says no. And he's still fighting it and fighting and he overcomes. Okay? So this is what the Bible is talking about. Being watchful. Okay? And this church hasn't watched at all. Sardis and we can be. Our churches can be. All of us can be. Because the devil is constantly trying to see that we are not watchful. Say these things. Verse 2. Right? The first thing he says is that, why are you dead? 
why why do you have just only a reputation you are dead because you were not watchful you were not watchful you were not watchful of your prayer life you were not watchful about your word life you were not watchful about your relationships where i have placed you you were called to walk in love with god in faith and in love but with man in love not always in faith even jesus put the eight away you cannot be trusted i cannot take you close i'm not going to expose you to what i'm going to go three of you watch my agony because you have been there i've taken you into places and given you experiences which the others don't have so you eight sit there you sit just sit here you three watch you three watch okay so with god it is faith and love with man it is always love god never says trust your neighbor as yourself honestly he says don't even trust yourself okay don't even trust yourself so this this is where we need to understand and that is what god is going to take us through is taking his church through and if you want complete that journey you will lose your reward everything that we see is temporal that's second corinthians 4:18 remember often we go back to that verse of apostle paul where things may we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen sardis looked at the things which are seen and they said you know what that same thing will happen to laodicea too laodicea god has nothing good to say This one he says at least there is a few among you who have not messed up their garments but laodicea nothing they absolutely totally fooled okay and this what is why because they were looking at the things that were seen that were seen and not at the things which are not seen while faith looks at the things which are not seen okay what are not seen and if you have to know about things clarity over things which are not seen it has to be from god god sadis is looking at all the things they have a reputation they are alive they have got a good reputation then god comes and tells them you are dead right prophet samuel comes to jesse's house he looks at all the boys and says wow behold stands the lord's anointed god says no that man went How did the prophet go wrong? Simple. He looked at the outside. He looked at the outside. Okay. And but the when the other boy comes running over there, you need to realize he's a reject. He's got nothing outside to pick him. Samuel doesn't rise up and says, "Behold, the Lord's anointed." No, God says, "Rise and anoint him," because there is nothing outside to show. Compared to his brothers, there was nothing outside. But God did not look at the outside. God looked at the inside okay inside and that's what god is talking about that's the reality check we don't look at the outside we look at the inside we look at the inside and only god knows the inside everything is bare and open before him even we ourselves do not know our inside all that's why paul says i will not judge myself also beforehand because i also might go wrong in my judgment only he knows you know so this morning we looked at the five things which god talks about we looked at the first thing first thing is the most important thing because he repeats that again what is that be watchful be very very watchful very very watchful 
because if we are not watchful our end or the end of this world may come at a time we are totally unexpected he can come totally unexpected and we reach that other side totally unprepared saved yes but totally unprepared we reach heaven before our time we reach the other side before our time and the loss is eternal the loss is eternal so this morning we will pray Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, the righteous and upright God, the all-powerful, awesome God. We just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you, Lord. Truly, Lord, your ways are not our ways, your thoughts are not our thoughts. But we thank you, Lord, your thoughts are thoughts of peace, peace, thoughts of good thoughts for our appointed future to be conformed to the image of Christ Jesus you don't think like the world neither are we called to think like the world of oh father this morning once again Lord, we come to you through that only way one and only way the blood of your precious son the living way we come by the strength of your scripture that can never be broken, we receive your mercy. Mercy, 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 Lord, that I knew this morning. The mercy that we need to cover our sins of omission and of commission. The things which we did, we shouldn't have done. The things which we didn't do, that we should have done. And we are all guilty of both, Lord. We don't want to stay there, Father. We want to continue doing the things which you want us to do and not do the things you don't want us to do. We need grace for that, Lord. The power of your Holy Spirit, the unction of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the counsel and the direction of the Holy Spirit. We don't want a false peace and a false security. We want true peace that passes understanding and that security that is eternal. need grace for that. Grace, 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 Lord, grace upon each one. 
the grace to handle every pressure that comes our way, every trial that comes our way today, not tomorrow, today. Your grace is promised for today. By faith we stand in the grace now. Everyone out there, Father, I pray by faith we will enter into that grace. And we will realize your grace is sufficient. All our dear ones, we've been praying for week after week, month after month, year after year. And we will not stop until you come or we go to be with you. We pray for Ace, grace, grace, mercy and grace upon his life. To be watchful in all things, to be watchful with his words. Because the enemy is out there trying to trap him with his own words. And your word says he or she is a perfect person who has a control over the words they speak. And I pray, Father, he and all of us would be extremely careful of the words that we use. Watchful, watchful, watchful. Because it has the power of life and the power of death in it. Be watchful of what we confess, what we proclaim. But the enemy also will push us so that we speak what is wrong, what is a lie, what is contrary to what God has spoken. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We just bless your holy name, Lord. We bless your We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your name. We stand in your house. Continue to declare. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.